All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Be quiet, Jason. Thanks for joining us on another episode. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. Download the app to play. Make five picks every day. You have a chance to win $100. Visit givebetter.app slash DTG. I just got feedback. All of you didn't sign up, so go go sign up today, please, for that. Give us a little boost. We appreciate it. Givebetter.app slash DTG. Get a chance to win $100. You know who doesn't need $100? Our guest, Jason Demers, the guy's killing it. He's doing TV. He's doing other TV stuff. He just got married. His wife's a famous actress. He won't tell us what her name is. Jason, thanks for joining the show. How you doing, boys? I, I, I'll always take $100 if you give it that, though. Uh, well, then go to givebetter.app slash DTG. It's a very, Sign very up. simple way. Sign up. But you're not getting any of the back end. Anyway, so what are you up to, Jason? We we were talking before we came on. You're doing TV with the NHL Network. You're working for the San Jose Sharks. You just got married. Busy, busy, busy. You just retired, what, two years ago now? Uh, this year. Last year? Last year, yeah. This this past season. I uh, I was with the, <clears throat> the Condors in the AHL, and then I played a game with the Oilers. And then uh, I was in their farm system. And then this year, I kind of transitioned onto the TV side of things and kind of seeing how it works and been enjoying it so far. So I did, you know, started with the NHL Network and uh, doing some TV stuff for them. And then I'm also doing some San Jose Shark pre and post game stuff. So it's been a great, uh, it's been a cool transition. I had no lag time at all. I just kind of went right to work and it's been, uh, it's been fun so far. Let's let's backtrack. We when we talked last. You were going to the Olympics. You were just getting geared up. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How weird was that? Because it was where was the Olympics in China? Yeah, it was in Beijing. Beijing was that a little strange? Because that's a completely different culture. The NHL players obviously didn't go. That's why you played. Um, <laughs> NHL players still though. But just like not the top guys, you know, like the. Uh, I mean, it's a couple top guys, like me and a couple top guys. Who were the top guys who played? Me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Be honest. So, Eric Stahl, Eric Stahl was there. What was that like? Was was it different? Did you go to Sochi then? Because you're an Olympian. Did you go to the Sochi? It was Beijing, and it was like it was 
it was different, obviously, like because they're still kind of uber COVID crazy with okay. with the whole city was shut down and flying into that airport and the whole airport, like an international terminal, was completely shut down. And the only people in there was people in hazmat suits. And you were kind of getting ushered from checkpoint to checkpoint. No kidding. And we had to wait like an hour and a half for the bus to take us to the Olympic Village because they wanted to make sure like they had us all like kind of in a pen in the middle of the in the middle of the airport. So it's pretty crazy. And then we got there. There's all the security. You always had to wear a mask. You like anytime you pulled your mask down, you'd get like a a camera would take a picture of you and would go back to the team services. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And you'd kind of get like, you'd get dinged. It was just very, very weird. Like we talked to a lot of people that were at prior Olympics and, you know, this was very much a different, different waters for all of them. And, and obviously like doing the, doing the opening ceremony was incredible. It was like dream come true to do that and, and walk down and, it, it was amazing, but it just had a different feel than I would have assumed in past prior years. And I don't know if that's for every year, but the food was awful. And I think I lost like 15 pounds and I was there. It just was like, and I figured out after I'm like, how do you cook for like that many athletes and different nationalities have, and stuff too. Like yeah, that have like the craziest appetites because you're, we're, I mean, it's just a bunch of ravenous young athletes just eating every yeah. two hours. So it was like, there was like a hot pot was like what everybody ate. And it was just like basically a broth soup that was constantly boiling in a vat. No and I was just like, I don't know what's in this, but I for Ooh. sure... Still have gut issues because of it. Were you around other athletes? Because we talked to other guys who have been to the Olympics. I've never been. Tim's never gone. And it's just a party. Once you finish your event, you go out and you tear it up for the rest of the Olympics. Was there any like fraternization with anybody else? Can Canada was strict, but we like there still was when we finished, uh there still was like within our Team Canada group, we had some like good parties. And then, but I heard like the, we, we kind of snuck into a few other places as well, but like the USA, I guess USA was throwing bangers and stuff, no but kidding. Only for like the respective country. So, but yeah, it's like, once you finish, you, you find alcohol somewhere and you go out and you drink and you kind of go watch the other events, which is pretty cool. We went to go see like big air. We watched the speed skating and then it's like, you kind of bring in these little like bottles of wine or whatever that whatever you could find and sneak it in and, and it was pretty it was pretty interesting it was fun that part was really fun and, and obviously playing for team canada was incredible with the jersey you know playing with the jersey yeah and, and it was such an honor and then obviously after going to watch the other athletes perform and and just kind of marvel and what some of these you know the figure skaters that train four years for this event it's a lot different than hockey where you're kind of playing a team sport and then you guys get plucked. Like these people dedicate their lives to this sport yeah. for five years to make it to this moment. So it's pretty incredible to kind of watch them and, and talk with them. And everybody was super awesome. So all the athletes were great. Who were the 
like the celebrities you know what i mean like you have the olympics the summer olympics it's like the nba guys everybody knows them it's the simone biles she's like the famous who was the one who you saw that you were like what the, the figure skaters what's her name she won gold the ice dancing from canada she was probably pretty famous like was there someone that you ran into you're like oh this is pretty cool uh i'm i ran into uh yeah well, i mean like the biggest celebrity there because it's like winter was like sean white was there that was his year so it's like sean white's there so everybody's you know looking out yeah. for him and um we had for me it was always the I, I was fascinated by the speed skaters like the short track just because they're so their legs are so incredibly big and they do this like it, it's actually crazy to watch it live short track because like there's always a crash like almost yeah. every every round and they're going so fast like people don't realize like it, it at home i'm sure it's great but in person they're just whipping around the track so and they you know the blade on their skate is like yeah so long and i'm like how do people not cut themselves and things like that and they go tumbling into the board so that was pretty cool to see them obviously the, the funniest one was uh that American figure skater, I can't remember his first name, but his last name's Chen. Um, and he was like, it was funny because he's a figure skater and, you know, coming from the hockey world, we have a kind of uh, ingrained sense of bravado in us. And this was like the guy and everybody, like every, everybody that was there was like, oh my God, it's Chen, it's Chen. And we're, I was, we're like, who the hell, who the hell is this guy? So we kind of, but it was just incredible to watch also the figure skaters how precise they are and, and how incredible they they do their job and and they perform it's 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 very impressive just to see all the other athletes and you you get a newfound respect for all these sports for sure so going into that we we talked you're like my goal is to get an nhl deal you you wanted to you know open some yeah. eyes show people you can still play that didn't come to fruition after the games but you did get a deal to play in the khl yeah, so I, you, I, I played in Russia before. Yeah. I got a deal, so I played in that like Russia series. It was, it's like a tournament um, that they have. It was like a pre-tournament. I went there with Team Canada off of my back surgery. They, uh, I kind of was still not a hundred percent, but I was like, I need to go play and yeah. This is where the comeback has to start. So I played in that series. It was like three games in four nights. I hadn't practiced with the team or played a game. I had one practice with with the guys, and I went into the, that game, uh, and it was like the 75th anniversary. So you're like, we're sitting on the line, and they're playing the Russia anthem before their the game, and they have like Putin's there, and like they're no like kidding, yeah, and apparently like all the Larry Onoff, all the stud ex-Russian guys were there from CCR, and they're just like USSR. Whatever, I can never get that right. And then apparently, like they had given money to all the guys that they they had to like kill us. And I mean, it was like a playoff game. So I'd played or practiced in like a year, and I literally was like, "Uh oh," because they're all the guys were standing in line with the Team Canada guys, and they're like. Oh, they're like, you know, usually Russia like plays like a trap. They don't really come that hard. And it was yeah. like two, two all over the ice. They're running us late. It was dirty. But it was like also like great. Cause I'm like my first game back off of back surgery. I'm like, I need to test this. And I'm like, I need to see if this is possible. So we 
I got through that. It was good. Everything went well. And then I signed with a KHL team because they wanted Team Canada wanted me to get more games. So I went over to Kazan and I played like five games. It was awesome. It was a great time. The organization treated me like gold and we had some great imports there. I was with Eric Fair, uh, Stephen Camfer, Mark Barbario, Jordan Wheel, and Par Lindholm. So like we had a great it's such a great group of guys. But why okay, here's my question. Why were they doing all that for you? Because you're 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 coming off a of back surgery unproven. A, why would you risk it? And B, what, why were they doing that for you? Were you that much of a commodity? They're like, we need Jason Demers at all costs. Because well, I played you, with you. You're good. You've seen but, my pedigree. I'm just unbelievable hockey player. <laughs> you're good. But like, I mean, did, I pro- I'm probably up there in like some, some of the most underrated players in NHL history. But, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. It's just... You know how it is just being undervalued and underappreciated, but within certain small circles in the hockey world, I'm that guy. So they had someone in their circle who believed that you were like, we need Jason. We got to get him out here. I'm a big complimentary player. <laughs> so, oh, I believe it. I, I played with you. You're a great player. Well, uh, yeah. So, no, it was, uh, you know, I don't think the extent of which they knew my surgery, This that was more me taking a a risk in terms of, I was like, I I can do it. Okay. I'll come and play. And obviously this was like a tryout before. So I had to go play in the KHL after and the five games went great. And then they brought me to the, the camp and you know, the Olympics went good. It's a little frustrating. The coach we had was, was, uh, was not, I don't think fitted for that style of tournament. Who was the coach? Uh, Julian. And, uh, I only say that because we butted heads quite a bit during that tournament. And, uh, like his strategy wasn't good or what? Yeah. It's, it's just different. It was, it's, he's just an old school coach and that just doesn't work quite work in a tournament like that. You just kind of, and also you get a lot of guys from Europe that play and it's not NHL guys. So these guys are used to a different system and they're used to a different way of playing hockey. So it's like you have to cater to them. So he he got hurt before the we went over to Beijing at the pre-tournament stuff. And like it wasn't really going great. Like like guys, not that guys weren't a fan of him, but it just wasn't clicking. And then he got hurt an unfortunate accident. And I'm glad he's okay now. But Jeremy Colton stepped in and he was he was incredible and like it immediately shifted the mood in the room and like, and the mood on the ice. And like, we, everything started clicking. We went over to Beijing and he coached us for the first game against Germany. And we, we played our best game of the tournament. We throttled Germany. And like, I, I was literally afterwards, I was like, we have a chance to like, we have a chance to win or medal. Yeah. And then he, was injured so we didn't think he was coming for the tournament and he ended up flying in and jumping back in to coach us instead of kind of seeing that you know maybe sitting (laughs) maybe sitting in the back and just seeing how well we were doing and being like let's just like uh, support from afar and be like a good you know like because we're all in this together at the end of the day it's not about one guy it's not about you it's not about the coach it's about what best fits 
in that tournament because it's a sprint. So he came back and it, uh, it, let's just say it threw it off a little bit. We played us the next game and I mean, we're all out of sync and it was, uh, it wasn't the best. And then we beat China, you know, as we should have, we beat China two games in a row. And then we had Sweden and we ended up losing one, nothing in the quarterfinals. And it was like, we, a game we should have easily won, but just the way things were implemented and explained, it wasn't, yeah. You know, I got it and understood it. A lot of guys did that kind of understood his style of coaching because we'd seen it. But the guys that kind of played in Europe and the younger guys, we had a lot of young guys as well. You know, Jack McBain was his, he was still in college. Owen Power was, was coming, was young. We had Kent Johnson. So it's like you also have to, these kids play college. They're not used to old school NHL. You got to, it's, it's, they're not there yet. And you can't, you don't have a full NHL season to break these guys in where it's yeah, like, you got to simplify it. It's a sprint. So it's got to be very simple and very straightforward. And it was very complicated. And, and listen, he, uh, we, uh, we butted heads quite a bit, but I'm just glad he's, he didn't die and, and divorce. <laughs> it, it was scary, but glad uh, you're not dead, but you really ruined this Olympics for me. <laughs> yeah. But, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was in sync. And it kind of goes back to the, just the old school mentality of coaching is the, the coaches that haven't changed their style, I feel like, with the way the NHL is changing. And, John, you, you see this just doing broadcast with the Hawks. Like, the old school coaches that are still around have adapted. And if you don't yep. adapt, the, the kids are different now. They're not the same as they were. They're not these it's a lot more not fragile mentally, but you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more awareness towards mental health and guys have different outlets for blowing off steam than, than we used to have, which was like, was it great back then? But also it, it certainly got the job done, but you know, now it's like coaches have more of a responsibility and have more pressure on them to kind of, get through to these guys mentally. So it's, you see with a lot of the new style coaches that are successful and these, the, the older ones that are coming back that are really like having huge impacts. Like it, it's a different game completely now. Yeah. Mental health wasn't a thing even 10 years no. ago. It's like, no. you, if you would have said, coach, I need a day for mental health. You're like, get the hell out of here. Like, are you hung over? What's, what are you talking about? Yeah. They, they tell you to go get a beer or they tell you to, you know, you usually just rub some dirt on it and keep going. You know, don't, there's no crying in baseball or hockey or whatever it is, whatever the analogy is, but yeah, it's just, it's different game now for kids. And it's, there's a lot more emphasis on taking care of guys, mental health. And, yeah. and there's more stress because, you know, there's less drinking, there's less prescription pills that there was, you know, 15 years ago. And, the, yep. and there's just, so now it's, the stress is full bore. It's in your face. So a lot of kids, it's hard to handle. So well, now and then they're just like this, looking at everybody, what they think of them all the time too. Yeah, so that's Twitter is a huge factor. And, and so is Instagram and all these social media apps that just destroy these kids mentally. And I mean, I'll be honest, you look at that sometimes and you're like, people are, people are clever on those, on those. <laughs> on those apps. And they can, they can certainly throw a barber too, if they want to. They Gosh. can. 
So before we move on from the Olympics, I want to ask maybe just clarify a little bit without going into too many details about like in the X's and O's of how you felt that Julian wanted to run a system versus guys, the younger kids and, and Europeans that couldn't adapt to it. Like what were the differences in playing styles and strategy? It's, you know, he is that old school. The, the issue with him and, and, you know, I'm never, I, I hate airing grievances, but it's just the, he would explain everything from A to Z that was he thought was going to happen in the game so that if something went wrong, he can be like, well, I told you so. Instead of uh, being, in, instead of being like, this is where we're, this is where we're strongest. This is where we're going to lean towards today. Listen, this might happen, but like, if we play our game, we're going to be fine. Instead of kind of just diving through this like A to Z. So these meetings would take like 20 minutes before the game and guys are like asleep in the room. And if something good went right, it would be like, well, it's all because of me. I did it. You know, it's it's because of my system. And if it yeah. went wrong, it was like, well, it's because you didn't do it the right way. So He's like, not- I had you prepared. What's the problem? Yeah. yeah. So I believe in like, I love a detail-oriented coach. Like Todd McCollin's one of my favorite coaches. He's detail-oriented, but it's clear and it's succinct. And it's like to the point where it's like, if you do make a mistake, you know yourself. You're like, I did it. No, nothing has to be said. Whereas like when there's indecision and it's not taught the right way. And then you're like, well, I prepared you. It's like, well, you told us what was going to happen, but it's not like there was a, a clear and concise detail of what actually should have happened. So we butted heads on that a lot. And, you know, maybe I was in the wrong and and I shouldn't have voiced my opinion, but I just kind of, I always saw it as, especially with, with the, it's not that they don't know how to play the game in Europe, but it's just a different style of teaching. And, you know, they play on the big ice, they don't play. And it was, we were playing on American ice and you have a lot of kids fresh out of college. Like they're playing a college system where, uh, in the D zone, you know, you close quick below the hash marks as a D man. But if that forward gets above the hash marks, you fold back in. The centerman mm-hmm. takes the guy high. So you never have a D man that's up at the point. Yeah. And it just was not, it just, it was one of those things. He explained it and guys weren't getting it. And he kind of kept saying, oh, once we get it, it's going to be great. So just like, well, if you had half a season to work on it and yeah. like a bunch of practices, that's great. But yeah. We need to win now. Whereas it's like in a tournament like that, you kind of got to literally, it's got to be clear in the sense of like the handoff needs to be known or you have to go man on man potentially. And just kind of hope that you have enough of the personnel. But, you know, I thought it, again, we were, it was one nothing against Sweden. It just was the feeling in the room when we lost was, was very much, we kind of let, we let something slip that we could have easily meddled. And, and it was, that was the frustrating part. That's and, tough. You know, that's, that's not on one person. It's not on pot. It's on all of us and, and Canada's a, team Canada as a whole. So, you know, we were all, it was just all very frustrating. As a, as it sounds a like it's on Claude Julian. That's who it sounds like it's I on. I mean, we could, I don't want to point fingers, <laughs> but no, we, uh, we, it's on everybody. And, and listen, it's a, uh, it's a team sport for a reason. It's just, those are, you know, you, you just try to all be on the same page. So it's like when you're not on the same page you and it doesn't work out, it's just that much frustrating. You know, you've been on good teams, John, where it's like things are, you see it and you're like, it could be so good, but 
not it's not clicking the right way and it's well, like when we were on san jose we had an incredible team and it just the most fr- frustrating thing unraveled yeah yeah so uh, just switching gears now you played both in the khl and the ahl and i'm seeing a lot of debate online over the years of like what's the what's the second best hockey league in the world and maybe there's probably benefits and levels of skill to both but now that you've played in both what are some of the differences you see between the two styles well, KHL plays like they're like seventy-five percent of the league plays a full-on trap, so it's a lot more defensive. It's like nineties huh. NHL, and it's very much guys feast on the power play. And don't get me wrong; it's a great league. Uh, Switzerland's a great league as well, and the big guys. That's very much different, but uh, they're so different because the travel in the KHL is some of the hardest I've seen. You know, you're flying you know, there's, it feels like there's like 30 time zones in Russia and you're doing 10 hour flights and you're like on a 10 hour time zone change. And we played a game and we played in Vladivostok and and we're in Kazan. We flew there and you, because the time zone change is so incredibly large, let's say it's a 7 p.m. game and it's a 10-hour time zone difference, you treat that game like it's a uh, 9 Afternoon like, game, yeah, or something. Nine, no, like a 9 a.m. game. You treat it like it's a 9 a.m. game, so you you get up, you sleep exactly like it would be a 9 a.m. game. So you're sleeping in the middle of the day, and you're getting up. So you're going for breakfast before the game because they're like 9 a.m. game. You're just going to get up at we're going to get up at seven mm-hmm. or eat your breakfast and go to the rink. So you get up at seven and people are having like happy hour, like cocktail hour. So you're That's like, weird. It's weird, but it's you never get what's crazy about it. And so smart about it is you never get jet lag. Ever. Yeah, there's no. So when I kind of came back, I was like, I wonder if the NHL. If you're on like a long, if you're San Jose and you're playing the all the teams like the Rangers, you're you're playing the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, and like Philly. If you'd stay on West Coast time, so you treat every game like it's a four p.m. game. Mm-hmm. And I just like I was kind of kicking it around. I was like, I wonder if that would like actually work, or even in the playoffs, like in the finals, if you were to stay, you know, San Jose in the finals playing against New York, if you were to stay on East Coast time and like not do that. Yeah, Trans- switch over. It probably would work because it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you just never, what's cra- crazy is we were over there and you never once got jet lagged. So you came back and it wasn't like this weird fighting it. But, you know, HL last year, HL is a great league. It's, it's an incredible league in terms of there's more youth in there than there's been in the past. Like it's a lot more young guys than when I started. Uh, so it's a little bit more scrambly. Like HL is a lot of like, there's a lot of men there. It's like mm-hmm. guys that are like 28 and up. So it's a different style of hockey for sure. But, you know, I, I've kind of told guy, guys for years, I'm a big advocate. Like if you're, if you're struggling in the AHL and you're kind of, you see yourself as like a career AHL or like go overseas and play, make some money. You can make really good money and the hockey's really good. They treat you really well. And I'm just like, instead of kind of, grinding it out in the a for 12 years you can live a good good life out there the hockey's a little bit you know it's you go play in switzerland it's not as physical uh you sleep in your bed every night so it's like there's like benefits to both of them 
Uh, but, you know, if you're looking, if you're chasing the NHL dream, stay in the AHL because it's your best path. Uh, but yes. Well, you were chasing your dream, and then after Russia, you signed a PTO with the Oilers. So yes, did you know that this was the, obviously the opportunities were getting short? Did you have any other options other than Edmonton to go to, or was this the, the best opportunity? Uh, I initially, I didn't have anything. So I called Jay Woodcroft and asked him for a chance to, uh, to go to camp and, and went to camp and it went really well. And they asked me to extend the PTO and the AHL and kind of told me initially that like, Oh, your kind of first call up. And if somebody gets hurt and which funny is that year, no, none of their D got hurt. I think almost all five played like 82, which is no kidding, which is incredible. And one of those funny things. Uh, so I stayed down there. I had a great experience, you know, being a mentor to a lot of the young guys. And, and their, their organization as a whole was great to me. And early on, I think I was like a month in to the PTO. And the Rangers asked if I wanted to come do the a PTO with them and be their first call up. And I kind of, that was like a tough decision. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, I was like, oh, I would have played in New York 100% last year because I know they brought up Ben Harper for a while um, who was down there. They ended up kind of bringing Ben Harper on afterwards. So how uh, does that work? You had a PTO and you were playing with the Condors and they still could have signed you because you weren't on a full contract? So you're like, because the PTO is like month to month. So okay, they, I was getting to the end of it and I was like, listen, like I'm either, either sign me or don't. Like at that point I was at that point, every was funny is like every D in, on the Condors, we like had like three guys get hurt. So we literally were like, it was like we were playing. I was playing a lot of minutes. Yeah. At an age where I was like, I didn't really want to be playing 25 a night. So my body was just at, on AHL travel. So like it was great. It was, it was fun to kind of be the guy a little bit and uh, enjoy that time. But I was like, listen, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a, I'll give you 16 to 18. Yeah. But I'm like, not much more than that. Afterwards, so what happens then? Ranger, they come knocking and then you just kind of oh, force yeah, Edmonton so to. Yeah. My agent at the time was just like, Rangers kind of called the Rangers. Cause he's like, if they don't sign you, we're going to look to put you somewhere else. So I would have continued my PTO. Cause they could then sign you to another PTO Yeah, for another month. So they would have brought me in and, um, uh, yeah, in hindsight, now I would have been like, oh, I probably would have been up with the Rangers, but you know, I wanted to stay. I thought the Oilers, you know, loyal. I wanted to be loyal to them in the sense of they gave me a chance and were giving me a look, and they ended up signing me after that for the for the year. So, so it was good. Worked out. And so then talk about that one game because I I did the same thing with Montreal. My last season, I was in the AHL, and the GM for the Canadians called me and he says, Hey, we want to call you up to kind of do you a favor, pick a game, and you can come up to Montreal. You were sitting at 699. Did did Woody call you and say, hey, Jason, we want to, you know, get you that 700? Or how does that work? Well, I kind of went into the season trying to get that. Um, that was kind of my goal from the two years prior with my back surgery. And, and you know, had I not gotten back surgery, we I probably would have never been in that situation. Yeah. So, uh, but. 
I, that was kind of the goal from the start was to get it. So they kind of knew that and, and we were kind of getting down to the end of the season. And I was like, they might've forgot, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they were in a playoff hunt. So, and you know, I was, they had told me I was going to get called up at one point and then I got, I got a concussion, I got injured. So, and then they obviously, which worked out great for them and, Great for that kid who's who's really taking the opportunity and ran with it. Vincent DeHarn ended up getting called up mm. over me because I was out, but he's been phenomenal for them. And like, he's such a great fit and he's such a good kid. So I, I root for him so much and uh, I'm so happy to see him. He puts in so much work. So, you know, him getting up there is, is was the right fit for them and, and it's, it's worked out great. So, but we're kind of getting to the last, like, month or so of the season and we're in San Jose playing the Barracuda and I always kind of tell the story it's funny I kind of look down the bench and you know it's a back-to-back I'm exhausted and I'm kind of like this is this league is it is it was kind of one of those the dog day area and I was like I don't even know if I'm going to get this and and what you know what's going on and I look down the bench and I see Dan Boyle sitting there and he's giving me the finger in the crowd he's and I'm, kids, and I'm just like, spoiler. So I'm like laughing. So he texts me after the game and he's like, what are they doing? Like, are they going to give you your 700th? And I'm like, I think so. Like, uh, I have no idea. So we like texted Woody and whether he was one of the t- determining factors, but he like texted Woody like, hey, give this guy his game. So whether he was one of the factors for that or yeah. not, um, there was like three days later, they brought me up. And there was in San Jose, which was great. It was it was uh, a full house. It was like their last home game. It was uh, it was a great. They gave me a good shout out on the on the jumbotron. All my family was there. Oh, cool! It was awesome. My niece was there. My my wife, my now wife, was there. And it was a, just an incredible, incredible experience to have that. And and you know, like as a player, you don't really get not many guys get to choose the way they go out. And it's kind of a privilege to be able to choose where you go and and what yeah. you and the way you say kind of bye to the game and and so for me I'm super grateful for that. So it sounds like at that point you knew you, you were going to retire after that season ended. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, ne- I never like using that word retire. I I kind of always stick to I'm just not playing anymore. I'm finding another place to play. I I just find for us it's it's a, it was such a, it's a game and it's a kid's game. And yes, there's the business aspect to it, but it'll always be a kid's game to me. And that's kind of why I always enjoyed it and played it with a smile on my face and, and tried to laugh and lighten the mood because it, you know, there is so much stress behind it, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a game. So for me, it's just, I'm not playing right now. And and I always kind of leave the window open of like, Hey, potentially I'll, who knows? Like, you know, it's, I'm 35. It's it's not in the realm that who knows if one day I wake up and I'm like, ah, let's give it another go. Let me go play somewhere else and in Europe or something like that. So I always leave the door open now to say that the percentage is very slim because I'm enjoying my TV time and I'm enjoying being in the ivory tower, yeah, above all and and kind of getting to getting to do what I want and, and talking shit and talking crap. <laughs> you see Jumbo around the way at all? I saw him uh, last week when I was here. What is yeah. he up to? Is he kicking the tires? He's getting his jersey retired soon, right? I can't wait. That's next year, and I'm I'm 
making sure my schedule is clear to play in that. And, and he's going to have a game. I think he'll do like the like kind of like what they did with Patty Marlowe, you know, that alumni yeah. day before. So that'll be fun. Um, we'll have to get you out and get some skates on you. I know I only played with you guys for a year, but I feel like I left an imprint, an indelible mark. You did. I think your jersey is retired up in the Barracuda and the t- TCU. I always range. say my my the year I had the most fun was the Sharks. I don't know for what reason. We had a good group of guys, and we just really got along well with you yeah. and Mike Brown and Jumbo. And it was just a fun time, right? Tim, you, you would have wow. loved it. It was a good time. Timmy, Timmy would have poured it on out there. We, we drank uh, on the plane, I think, was the big difference. We just had fun because those long flights are tough. But then if you just oh. relax, yeah, you used to make this concoction. Don't they have the best? Don't they have the best like bar on on board in the Sharks like they're playing with the candy and the it's was incredible. it you who used to make shakes like for everybody? Yeah, the smoothies. Yeah, we had a what blender was- on board, Timmy, with. They had like they would make full on like blueberry smoothies with like booze in it if you wanted. <laughs> if you wanted, after you, game, you could have a protein shake on the plane with just with a little buzz, just a buzz protein shake. It was good. All right, you're an NHL insider now. I'm going to give you some quick questions. Just give me a, a brief thought. Are the Canucks legit Stanley Cup contenders, Jason? Yes. And I uh, and I say that with so much. <laughs> talk yeah. about it or not. I mean, there's a common theme of me butting heads with coaches, but you know, personally, me and Rick talking don't have much positive things to probably say about each other. But he, the one thing I will say positive about him is he gets the most out of his guys, and he's uh, he's got them playing. And and I I was talking to somebody about this a couple of days ago. I love what they did with their decor. Yeah. I love that they're, they're heavy, that bottom, that those four, you know, three, four, five, six are really heavy. Susie, Zadorov, Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think four or five weeks, I think he hurt his hand, but yeah. off Cole, um, I've loved Toronic's game and obviously Quinn Hughes, you can't say enough good things about him. Uh, Tyler Myers is, you know, in that role is like a five, six, four, you know, four, five, six. Very I think effective. I think he's good with that big body. Uh, up front, I think they're getting so much out of that that now second line, which is uh, Garland, Dakota Johnson, and Luger. Uh, Luger. I think they're getting a ton out of that line, and and I'm such a big fan of Connor Garland. And I think now that he's, I don't think he's ever had a guy to kind of protect him like Josh was doing. Yeah, and he's. It's been fun to watch that line, and obviously, you know, you could. Again, you could talk about Besser and those guys, but I was like looking at what makes them so complete. And I mean, yeah, they they have a lot of guys that they developed out of the A, and and you know that coaching staff of. I said, keep it brief, guys. Jason. Oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes. I talk Did, a lot. You know. If you want to, if you want to get an in depth feel of Connor Garland, we we talked to him last week on the show. So just oh, okay, uh, cool. yeah. just just go back last week. It's right there. Great oh, kid. Right. Okay. Yeah. But yes, yes, they are. Did you want so to talk another 20 minutes again? Or can you I can edit the rest out, Timmy? Yes. Well, we're going to just heavy editing. It's going to happen. What? Yeah. Uh, you can, I don't want to brush past this. Why Why are you and Rick talking feuding? Did you not? When did you guys uh, cross paths? I, I won't air any. Uh, we've been in Arizona. 
Knew what happened it. in Arizona? He didn't. He didn't. Much like Claude Julien, it sounds like you blame the coaches a lot, Jason. No, I have a lot of coaches that I like. I have. It a sounds lot like it's just one, football. Todd McClellan, and then no, uh, <laughs> Scotty Allen. Oh, okay. Rianne, love him. Love him. But Rick Tockett didn't really mesh well with your style of play. We did it start? We did at the start. I just had a. We had a. We had a bad breakup. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. You just didn't want to back check or you didn't want to finish your check? Because it seems no, like he's I, a pretty hard-nosed coach. I always played hard. That's one thing. I always played hard. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Okay. You're getting really quiet. Usually you go on. What is there something there kidding. you want to – Because, listen, I don't I, – I keep – I don't like to go personal. I don't like to air grievances. You were pretty quick to throw Julian under the bus while you guys didn't win gold. If you, if you remember and you don't edit that out and pull the – of the funny nonsense i i came back and said listen he's great it's just he had to adjust a better option in politan i never said him as a person so don't you don't you put that evil on me oh that's funny all right so the, the sharks are in the running for you know what's his name again the young uh, stud the number one overall pick celebrini, celebrini. a couple teams a couple teams that are supposed to be good or not good i want your thoughts on ottawa and buffalo what's not working those two spots I mean, frustrating to watch. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Jacques Martin's the answer for that team. Uh, Again, coaches right under the bus. What is going on with you? Hey, listen, you don't need a coach to win, but you can, a coach can certainly help you lose. Oh, man, Tim, there's something wow, there's here that there's a quote that Jason is just maybe not coachable. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, no, I, I listen, I. I, there's things that I can I can sit back and say that yes I I know at times I would probably be frustrating for a coach hundred percent hundred percent and a but, teammate too what and you're he, frustrating for a teammate as well I'm the one thing I am is I'm always I'm for the guys maybe to a fault and uh, I'll back the guys no matter what but no listen <laughs> listen I drop. Jacques Martin invented the Lemaire line before Jacques Lemaire was doing it. Like he was a, he was a co. I just, you know, as an advisor, yes, but as a head coach with that team that's so high flying offense, like you need a new age style coach. You need a, a Carberry type coach that's going to teach these guys defending or, you know, and Scotty Allen, who's in Washington with Carberry and what he's done with that team, like, I think Ottawa's roster to a man is way better than the Washington Capitals. But like the Washington Capitals are found a way to defend and play defense and stay in games. And, you know, obviously I just think they're, it's, it's figuring out how to play defense and, and toe that line of, of, you know, they're so good offensively, but they just kind of, they just can't, they can't put together a solid. What other coaches suck? Jason, <laughs> oh, you, you don't, you don't want to get me going on that. No, that's he the only hates thing. coaches. No, coaches I love, Jeremy Colleton. Uh, that's it. <laughs> you know, I scored more goals than Jason when I played with him in San Jose, and I played half the games. Tim, did you? Is that right? You had, you had three. I had three. Did you? I don't know how many you right, had. That was right before I got traded. And yeah, then I was on, on fire that year. Then went on a tear after that. Yeah, it was a better coach. Yeah, Lindy Ruff. Ruffles. <laughs> All yeah. right, that's enough. We're going like to let you go. Hey, is I there like anything? 
Is there anything you want to push? Is there any um, coaching clinic that you have for our fans that you want to push out there? Yeah, Jason Demers coaching clinic where I just poo-poo on all the coaches in the (laughs) NHL. (laughs) Oh, Jason, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. I Keep doing good with San Jose and the NHL Network. Check them out if you're in those markets. Or just get NHL Network, and then this is Dusty Rhodes. That was Sting from uh, NWO. And DDP, too. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.